Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoop's World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoop's World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoop's World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night, October 12, 2016. Looking forward to a big night tonight. Uh, our first guest will be Ron Yeri, an NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, played with the Minnesota Vikings for 14 years and uh, played a total of 15 years in the NFL. Looking forward to talking to him about a host of things, including his career and uh, and uh, all kinds of things. And then after that, of course, we have uh, our good friend and colleague, Anthony Davis, five-time national champion out of USC. So, Going to be a fun, full night, and uh, looking forward to uh, chatting with everybody and uh, listening to what these uh, fine gentlemen have to say. Uh, we're going to take our first break and then come back in and get right into it. Uh, this is uh, Channel 3, You Make Me Feel Cheap. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. Back after this. And this one's called You Make Me Feel Cheap. Right. So I'm not, 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 so
Every day I wake up at five to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at five to give dad his medicine. At six, I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at five to give dad his medicine. At six, I make his breakfast. At seven, I shower. Every day I wake for up For those five. caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the wall. You're listening to Swirl. And welcome back to the show. And <laughs> let's uh, let's give Ron a call and get this thing started here. Do, 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 do. Boop, 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 boop. There we go. We've got the ringing now. Hello. Hello. Hey. We like to rest. We like to welcome Ron Yeri to the show. It's like we say from Bellflower High School to Canton, Ohio. Ron Yeri is an Outland Trophy winner out of USC, a Newt Rockney Award winner, College Football Hall of Fame, Rose Football Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Famer inducted in 2001. Ron, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thank you for having me on, Keith. Good talking with you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Let's, uh, uh, you know, let's let our uh, listeners kind of know a little bit about you. Uh, you, you, you played, uh, you, you went to high school in Bellflower and and kind of take us through uh, your your career entering into the NFL. I know you were a number one draft pick out of USC, but uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself coming up. Uh, as a, from an adolescent, yeah, from high school. Always, from, 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 I, uh, and I played. I was like all the other kids at that time. I uh, loved playing little league baseball. Uh, uh, from, but they didn't have tackle football for someone like me. When I was that age, so I uh, I didn't start playing tackle football till freshman in high school, and it was a lot different then. I was the biggest kid on the team <laughs> as a senior, and then uh, I was six three as a senior, and uh, uh, I played fullback my senior year. I played defensive end. I, back then, everybody, if you're starter, you usually played both offensive and defensive team. So I played defensive end and uh, I played fullback as at my senior year in high school. And then USC uh, gave offered me a scholarship, uh, but my grade point, my I had a two six five with all the core classes: chemistry, biology, uh, algebra, geometry, and everything. But uh, uh, I couldn't get in during the Vietnam War, so they sent me to Cerritos College for one semester. Uh-huh. Uh, I played there, and then I went in as a second semester freshman at SC, and uh, uh, played under John McKay and uh, a lot of great guys. It was a, it was a great university. If you're going to send your kid to a 
a great school. You can't find any better than that school. I spent, you know, the three and a half years there, and uh, then I was drafted by the Vikings and uh, played 14 of my 15 years with the Minnesota Vikings. Then my last year, I think I was 36 or 37, I played with, with for the Rams. Wow. And that was it. Now, my understanding so, is you in, in in your entire career you only missed two games due to injury. So you you're you were pretty pretty solid there uh, uh an iron man as far as showing up and playing every week. Well, if you're going to play a position uh and offensive tackle is the safest position I think in football. So uh you know, I was at the right position as well and uh I I, I guess I was lucky, you know, everybody gets hurt, but uh, they still put me in when I had a broken ankle. I still played. I would have played, but they pulled me out of the game, and then after the game they, they had me x-rayed and they found out it was broken. So then they put a cast on. But I would have played. In fact, I did play. I continued playing for about four more downs, and I was limping, and they just yanked me out. <laughs> you uh you were the first offensive lineman to be taken number one in the draft uh were you expecting to go that high my coaches uh told me that the minnesota vikings were going to pick me first in the draft before uh the draft was about a month before but then it, you know that was a, a big honor then but it's not like it is today yeah Today it's uh, it's prime time. It's uh, a major event. Back then it was uh, something that was congratulatory, and that was it. It, it was, was nothing special, but it wasn't this special. Right, right, right. So back back then it was you know I mean uh, you know now it's 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 televised and uh, everybody's sitting around and and you know, waiting for the phone call and all those kinds of things, and I, 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 I'm taking it. It was, it was a lot different back then. Well, what happened is they called me about 15 minutes prior to them picking me, and it, it was Bud Grant was on the phone, and he asked me, he says, well, you know, we'd like to draft you, but we need to get this question answered, and if we drafted you, uh, would you play for the Minnesota Vikings? Do you have any objection about coming here? to start your career, and I said, of course not. Yeah. I said, I'd be happy to go to Minnesota. I like the outdoors. I like the country. Uh, I've always wanted to live in the country and, uh, you know, be a rancher or a farmer. I was used to have a horse and go, used to go riding and things like that, but uh, uh, never never was given that chance. I never had that, that thing lifestyle put in front of me now you you, you, you come you, you you played uh, most most of your career in, in in sunny southern california and then you head to minnesota uh we're not talking about the days of indoor stadiums we're talking uh you're playing out there in the snow and the cold and the, the below zero with the wind factor uh was that a shock to your system or were you or did you adapt pretty quickly you adapt it takes a couple of years but you adapt but it was never really that cold we played in two games in the playoffs that at the end of the game with the windshield, we were told it was 42 below zero. Wow. One was the Cleveland Browns. It was uh, the game ended around three thirty, I believe. 
and it's close to nighttime at that time of year. It's in Jack, I think it was in December we played that game. And uh, it was the first round of the NFL. I know it was the NFC Championship game against Cleveland. And uh, so it got, it was, that was a cold game. And uh, I, when you, I came off the field, I had to sit by my locker for about 10 or 15 minutes because I was unable to take my helmet off. I couldn't feel my head or my strap, my chin strap. So I had to sit there and thaw out uh, for about 10 or 15 minutes before I, a lot of guys sitting by the lockers. That was that was the coldest game I've ever played. In. Wow, wow. Now you uh, you played, uh, you know, you played uh, in four Super Bowls. Is that is that my understanding? Yes, uh, uh, four Super Bowls and a lot of. We were in the NFC playoffs almost every year. I think my last year we weren't in it, and my rookie year uh, we were the runner-up team. Back then it was different. They didn't have a Super Bowl, so if you uh, they had a playoff game for the runner-up, and the two first place teams had a NFC Championship game back in the old days. Right. I think you. So made... we would go to Florida. We would go somewhere like the Florida and would play Philadelphia as, as a runner-up bowl, and uh, that was our vacation. <laughs> we were all happy to go down to Florida. And bask in the sun. <laughs> and uh, play our last game of the year. That was everybody loved that. There would be a there'd be a hundred there'd be a hundred degrees difference in the weather from Minnesota and and um, Florida. <laughs> a nice nice little change of pace. <laughs> yeah, we loved it. You know, funny, we played Miami one year in Miami, and it was very hot. And it was in December, I, I believe, or, and it was it was freezing in Minnesota. It was every day was below zero, probably. So we went down there. We were so happy to be in the sun that none of us got tired. But Miami was on the other side, and we were looking at their tongues were hanging out, and <laughs> they, they, they were going under because of the heat. But we were so happy to be there. We didn't care if it was two hundred degrees. <laughs> but, uh, the, the point is, the hot weather can take you down a lot faster than cold weather. Yeah, it's, it's more difficult to play uh, in the heat than it is in cold weather. It just slows the game down uh, because of your footing. And but that, that's the, the only difference is that. But it's uh, you know it's, it's, it's harder on you. To play in hot weather, I mean, you get fatigue sets in uh, when it's hot and humid, and that can take you down a lot, much worse than football. But everybody still wants to play in the warm weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, it it, it 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 seems like, uh, like you said, the hot weather it fatigues you faster. But uh, you know, like you're saying, you don't have to thaw out after the game and. Uh, and uh, you know the little the the, the 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 your fingers don't don't sting as much. I I would assume. Yeah, the uh, the first few times I go into the shower, there to shower after the end of the game or into practice. You know, we would we would practice in that weather as well. Uh, you learn to, to thaw out before you jump in a shower. Your feet and your 
fingers and your ears really can uh, put them in hot water and uh, you learn your lesson very quickly. <laughs> so you, you always, you take your time to, uh, to get, get dressed and get out, get out of there when it's 25 below. Oh, and you've been out on the practice field for about an hour or so. You just, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm a Uber driver. I'm here to pick my my youngest son up at baseball right now. I'm sitting in the car watching him practice. Oh, nice. I just my, my oldest son uh, is a freshman in a high school, and he's going to uh, play up on the varsity team this this week or next week. So they brought him up for varsity practice, and. Uh, uh, and then I got my little daughter. She's six years old, and she's in soccer. So all I do is drive everybody around, <laughs> picking them up. I got watching them in batting practice right now. So I'm sitting here speaking with you. So it's uh, I got an interesting life at seven years old. <laughs> sounds sounds interesting. What one of the things uh, I would ask you is is you know you like you you mentioned earlier when you started there there was no Super Bowl. So you kind of you kind of you were in in the, in the in the early part of the Super Bowls and and, and, and kind of seen the change over the years. Uh, matter of fact, I was at a Super Bowl when the at the Rose Bowl when the Vikings played the Raiders. Um, but yeah. has there you know it's it's grown to be such a big thing? Uh, was that what ex- was expected uh, back in the early days, or did you guys think it would become what it has become? There's no way we could have ever anticipated the how that the interest in that game would have grown that, that much you know the first year that we were in i think we were in the in the fourth super bowl super bowl four and uh it was green bay uh the first two years and then when might have been us we played kansas city and uh you could get tickets as a player marshall bought like 80 tickets and uh, sold them all for like three hundred dollars each. And he made a, he made more money selling tickets than he did uh, during this uh, the season. Wow! <laughs> so uh, you know the game wasn't sold out then. Yeah. So easy to get tickets, and I think each player had got like sixteen tickets to the game. But uh, you know we did I didn't sell them. I gave them all the way to my friends and everything. But uh, uh, but we had to, we, and we had to pay for them as well. We had to pay for these tickets. So they gave us two free and you paid for the rest, but they gave you enough of them. Wow. And, uh, and, and the game, I think the Super Bowl was played in early January back then. And, uh, we'd go down for, and practice in the, in a city in the warm area of this, of the country for about a week. And then we'd go in maybe four or five days before the Super Bowl game, and we we practice in the city where the game was going to be held. And we found that very disrupting to us because Bud was the kind of guy that when we traveled, uh, he'd leave on Saturday at, as late in the day as he could. So if we were playing in Detroit, we would leave maybe at 1 o'clock on Saturday or 2 o'clock on Saturday, fly into Detroit or Chicago, go straight to the hotel, and uh, have a meeting, have dinner, and then have a, a we'd have team dinner. We all eat together, and then have a meeting, and then uh, be in our rooms by uh, nine o'clock. 
get up the next morning, 7 o'clock, have breakfast, go to the game, get on a plane immediately and go home. Wow. That's the way it was in the old days. We didn't have much time to see the city or to visit with our friends. If you had friends in the city, uh, it was strictly business. Right. Now you mentioned Bud. Bud, you played. I mean, you played for some uh, some well known uh, coaches, uh, and uh, I, I know you mentioned your your high school coach in your Hall of Fame speech. But I, I know I do know you played for uh, John McKay and, and Bud Grant. Uh, both, you know, were, were, were you know they're. I think Bud Grant is he in, he might be in the Hall of Fame also. But uh, John McKay, I know he won national champions. What was it like playing for coaches of that caliber? Well, it makes it easy. Uh, you know, Bud is in the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, you know, all great head coaches are. I, I haven't played for a lot of them. Only the two, two of the best. One of the best in college, and the other one professionally. But they, uh, they are somewhat aloof uh, of the players. They don't. Uh, they let the coaching be done by the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. And they have great assistant coaches. They have the, the assistant coaching staff they, they had were great communicators. Uh, and they made practice fun as well. Uh, and they knew their, their game. Jerry Burns knew football as, as good as any football coach could. He knew more about the passing game. He was the, the offensive coordinator. And then, uh, we had different defensive coordinators along the way, but, uh, uh, and then at SC, uh, you know, being under John McKay, they had great teams, great players. It was a great university to go to. Uh, I was just lucky to, to be to connect with this caliber of coach. You know, Bud didn't talk a lot. Neither did John. Yeah. Maybe a couple times during practice, they would say something. But when they said something, it was something that was meaningful. And uh, they were dead on what they were talking about. So uh, there were no wasted words with them. And uh, so when they spoke, you listened. Right. Because you knew what they were talking about uh, was, was, had to be said. And uh, so most of, the, most of the talking was done by the, the coaching staff. They really were the ones that ran practice. And... Uh, and and uh, Bud would be on the field w- watching everything, but uh, and so would John. But uh, they didn't get involved with individual aspects of coaching players. Right. Neither of them did. When you play so, when you play sports on that level, and you talk about the coaches, uh, let's talk a little bit about the players. Uh, you know, you, like your 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 Viking team, even your 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 Trojan team. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of players there that. Uh, went on to some great success. Uh, I have to imagine that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of big egos in a, in a locker room. Um, and, and especially on this level, you know, you played with, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of name players and quite a few hall of famers. What's it like in the locker room? Is there, is everybody, uh, uh, you know, you have captains and whatnot, but, uh, I, I got to imagine that sometimes the egos get in the way. Well, uh, in college as well, we were, Number one in the nation, my sophomore year, that's for a long time. So we lost, we lost uh, to UCLA, and that knocked us out. And then I think Notre Dame. And then my junior year, we were number one for the first six weeks 
of, of the of the of the football season, we lost to Miami, and that knocked us out of there. And then my senior year, we did win the national championship at SE. And then with the Vikings, we were I think there's only as I mentioned only twice during my career, maybe three times at the most, that we weren't in the NFC playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a lot of postseason opportunities with the teams that I play on, but. When you get to egos, there's a difference between a big ego and confidence. I would describe the players that I played with as having a lot of confidence and not big egos. Right. They were really great guys. They were they were humble. Uh, they were hardworking. They uh, they they had when you're with them, you had a lot of fun. They made the game fun. Uh, they they. Uh, the best thing about it was that, you know, they were happier to see you do well than themselves do well. So they were very unselfish players. Uh, and and the only time that the team ever began to falter is when those type of players began to leave. Right. And they didn't be able to replace them with equal level of player that, you know, we... we I I knew it when my last couple of years with the Vikings that uh, we were never going to get back to the Super Bowl again because yeah. they the caliber of player that they were replacing guys like Jim Marshall, Carl Eller, Ed White, uh, Alan Page, Paul Krause, guys like that, Chuck Foreman. They just they weren't come. They didn't have that quality of player right. taking that position. So the, the writing was on the wall. As a offensive tackle, uh, I know that a lot of times you know pass blocking. It's kind of you know you get kind of timing. You get you figure uh, after X number of seconds, uh, you know you could start looking downfield or, 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 or moving on. Now you you played with Tarkenton who liked to run around and scramble back there for an extended period of time. Uh, I have to imagine that sometimes that kind of got kind of difficult uh, realizing if it was time to release and, and move downfield or, or stay with uh, the person in front of you. Well, it's it, it's not like you have 2.5 seconds to, to keep your guy out. You, you have to block your guy to make him quit. In other words, he'll let up when the ball's thrown. Right. Okay. Uh, so you don't, you don't, it's nothing that, you know, you got to run the thing in 2.8 seconds or 3.1 seconds. I got, it's not like that. You, you, you stay in front of him and you keep him out of the of the way as long as he's trying to get in and then sack the quarterback. And uh, same on a running play. You don't stop blocking on a running play and moving your feet and driving with your, your feet until the running back runs past you or everybody's on the, on, uh, on the ground and you, everybody it almost simultaneously knows that, the play is over. Right. You can feel it from other players around you. The, the play ended beforehand. You don't need to see the running back get tackled. Yeah, you know, you know what what happens. There are signals that are given by body language of guys that are you're not near. That you just know that the play didn't do very well, and you lost yards or you you gained yards. But uh, uh, you know, it, it, as far as Francis scrambling, uh, 
if if it's a forced scramble because somebody's getting on him or getting to him, that's okay. It's when you're right around and you don't know it's not part of the play. <laughs> and uh, you don't you know, you, you practice one way and then it ends up another way. That and then you get screamed at in practice <laughs> because the guy's in space and you're saying you know, he ran up on my back. I didn't know. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. Uh, that happened enough times where it's probably got aggravating. But, uh, you know, so anyways, when Francis liked to drift to his right a lot, and he would throw quite often behind the right guard or, or even drift over more than that. And so what happened was I had to start taking guys on at the line of scrimmage, short setting on the guys. I, I didn't draw back like you see offensive linemen dropping back today. Right. So I was a short set offensive tackle. And uh, because of Francis drifting to the right a lot, because if I did, he'd be in the quarterback's face. He'd be in his face. Right. So uh, I, I changed my whole style of play because of that. Wow. I read uh, an article, uh, I believe in Sports Illustrated, about five, ten years ago that said that the offensive lineman has to be the smartest person on the field because of all the, all the reads you have to make uh, and adjustments you have to make. Um, and they said, and they said uh, basically, IQ-wise, uh, you know, as a whole, the offensive linemen are the smartest ones in the field. Would you agree with that? Uh, no. Uh, I think what I, here's my assessment of an offensive lineman. They have to be the most aggressive guy on the field. You don't know that, but the offense, the really the great offensive lineman that I've met, Bob Brown, Ed White, uh, uh, Joe Delamalor, uh, Rayfield Wright. Uh, they're these guys are aggressive individuals naturally, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but it's the positions that tames you. You can't be talking and listening to your quarterback at the same time. Right. You, have, you have to be attentive at all moments because you have to be reading defenses and whom you block, in many cases, depends on the, the, the alignment of the defense and, and how you're going to block it. So you have to stay aware of what's going on. You can't get let your emotions run away with your performance. Uh, so you have to be reserved and you have to be attentive. Right. And the best, the best guys that I've ever played with, though, were the most aggressive. But as far as being any smarter than anybody else, I uh, I, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. Well, they're good guys. They're they're. Offensive linemen are—they're not real demonstrative. You know, they're not going to jump up and down and strut around like a turkey, right? And kiss their and kiss their biceps. They're just not that type of an individual. Yeah. But if I was in, if I was in a battle and I had bullets flying over my head, I'll take an offensive lineman any day. There you go. He ain't gonna run. <laughs> um, you know, another thing I read, uh, and and you may, you, I, I believe you might have been a part of some of this. Um, they said that, you know, uh, the linemen, offense and defense linemen, you know, they have uh, so many collisions a game. 
uh, you know, a lot of the talk in the last few years has been about the concussion thing. Uh, I know, and I, you know, we have Anthony Davis on a lot, and he's big on the brain scan, and he, he's done it with one doctor, and he talks about that a lot. I believe I read somewhere that you were part of one of those uh, testing, those one of those scans. Well, uh, I, yes, I've had that done. I've gone through that procedure a couple times. And uh, there are, I'm amazed at the guys that I played with, how many of them are having mental issues. Wow. Uh, many, many of the guys, I, they got uh, some form of dementia. It's either Parkinson's or uh, uh, they have no recent memory. I mean, you could say, how are you doing today, uh, Joe? And two minutes later, they don't even remember the encounter. Wow. And they are so beat up. They are so beat up uh, that I'm, I'm amazed that I'm, I am like this today. I've got really nothing wrong with me. Uh, but we played a different type of football. We were taught to put our face on guys. Right. And we made our contact was with our head. Our head was the main part of everything we did. And, and, and the biggest part of our attack, I spent my whole life running into, running into guys with my head and my face. Right. And, uh, and, and the reason I think that I came out of this with little damage is this reason here. Uh, when I, I would tuck my head when I would make contact like a turtle. Mm-hmm. And I had real big, big trapeze muscles in the back of my, on the top of my shoulder, your traps. And when I flex them, they get very hard. And I, I'm able to push my head up against my traps. And uh, that acts as when you make contact with your helmet or with your face, the energy gets dispersed over your helmet and down your the back of your head into your trapeze and down into the biggest muscle group of your back. Right. So all you know, I I never got. I only a couple times I got really dinged. Uh, one time I had I experienced astral projection, and the other time I uh, was on a kickoff return. I thought uh, I was going to die. I thought my brain was going to uh, bleed out. It was in my last year in the NFL. I was sitting on the sidelines, and I, I knew I, I got nailed. But anyways, those are the only two times in, in 23 years of football yeah. where I got uh, – no, one other time I got blindsided. Uh, so only three times in, uh, what, 23 years of football that I had experienced a concussion or a traumatic impact on my brain and the reason was i knew how to protect myself not consciously right it's just i i attacked and the guys that i think had these problems didn't do that they didn't tuck their head and protect their skull and and having the energy flow down their back exactly i I never had a problem with that i mean you could i could run into walls (laughs) it'd be like nothing because the energy you know, energy can be transferred. Right. When you walk on the face of the earth, I talked to a physicist about this one time, and when you walk on the face of the earth, the energy from your body is going through the bottom of your feet, and it is going into the earth. You're, you're, you're putting energy into the ground, and there is, that is energy, and it's collected by the earth. 
same thing when you make contact. That energy gets flows around your skull, down your around your helmet, and down your back. That's and I think that's the reason I'm okay today. Yeah, and it dispersed. Does that, does dispersed that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It dispersed evenly away from uh, uh, rattling uh, rattling your brain uh, within your skull. Yeah, rather than than isolating the energy and penetrating into your skull and into your brain, uh, I was able to diffuse it because my head was inside of the helmet like a bell because we had those suspension helmets. So I was like I was like a bell on top of my head. Wow! So that's why I made it. I'm, I'm amazingly uh, I only I've only had a hip replacement. And outside of that, I'm really in good shape. That's great, and, and you know, just because it's, it's sad to hear these all these other stories that you know they come up uh, quite frequently, and it's it's good to hear that uh, you're doing all right, man. You have no idea how bad it is for these guys. Yeah, I mean, it is. I cannot. I I'm, I I step back. I am in wonderment how bad it is for these guys. I watch Alan Page walk out on the stage. And every fourth step, he had to stop because he lost control of his leg. Wow. And his leg would start going spastic on him, uh, like having a seizure. Yeah. And watched uh, Billy Brown, uh, Milt Sunday, and Grady Alderman, and all these guys are, are, are having tough problems. But I think that what the NFL wants to do is, hold off as long as they can so when these guys die uh, prematurely, they won't have to pay them any money. Yeah, yeah. typical typical of a lot of, uh, a lot of corporations. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I frequently watch a show called A Football Life. Uh, any chance that they, they did your story or they're going to do your story on there? I don't think I have anything that interesting to write about. Uh, but, you know, there are, there are a lot of guys that do. They ought to interview Milk Sunday and uh, Pick some of the story on some of the concussions and the mental state of a lot of these guys, but they're not going to do that because they don't want to expose the how bad that condition is. The NFL doesn't want to do that because they'll it'll frighten parents away from letting their kids play the game. But I just want to say this: the game's a lot safer today. You don't use your head anymore. Right. So I don't think these new players. I see these new guys getting in the Hall of Fame. These young guys. Uh, they they block with their hands and they block with their tackle with their shoulders. Now they they look in great condition. They're not like us. They're not like the old guys. These guys uh, are coming in, getting in the Hall of Famer, in good shape physically, mentally, everything. So it's a it's a different game today than it was in the old days. Right. And you guys took, I, I remember seeing an interview with Deacon Jones, and he talked about how he would do that head slap to the offensive tackle to, to disorient him so he can get around uh, get around the end there. Yeah, that's overrated. Some guys that might have bothered didn't bother me. <laughs> Good slap I didn't care about. Yeah. In fact, I wish they would because all they're going to do is nothing. They just does nothing. Last thing uh, before we before we hang up, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your alma mater, USC. Uh, you know they've uh, 
they've gone through quite a few coaches over the last few years, and uh, you know people are high on Clay Helton. It looks like they they might be starting to turn things around there. Uh, I'm sure you still follow them. What, what are your What are your thoughts, and what do you see? Uh, you see how they're going to finish up in the Pac-12 this year. What are your, What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't have any thoughts. I just watch the players, and I'll just let me just say this to anybody who uh, thinks that the coaches lose football games. Let me just tell you, no coach that I ever had had me block the wrong guy. <laughs> I blocked the wrong guy. No coach ever had me told me to get a penalty for holding or jumping outside. I jumped outside. No coach ever told me to miss a block to let the guy through. I missed the block. The reason you look, I lost football games is because of me and the guys on the team. It was never the coach's fault. So when they say, hey, the coach is not getting the most out of the players, let me just say this. I, was, I watched the players. And the players are losing the game, not the coaches. Wow. I see, I see offensive linemen catching defensive linemen. I said they're the most aggressive guys on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't see aggression on the part of the offensive line at SC. I see them accepting blocks rather than giving blocks. Right. Attacking. Uh, I see them making too many mental mistakes. Uh, in key situations, they get a offsides or they get a clipping penalty or something silly or they fumble the ball right they i see them blocking the wrong guy i mean this uh, it's it's a patent mis- mistake on on a block uh so it, you can't blame the coaches for that it's the player's fault right so all you alumni if any alumni out there are saying hey the coaches are doing a bad job no the coaches are doing a great job it's the players who are blow, are losing the games. Now, never has my coach ever played a bad game for me. <laughs> I played. Rod, and let me tell you another thing. When if we lost a game, I was never mad at my teammate. I never, I never knew who played a good game or who who played a bad game except me. Right. The only person that I was aware of. And that I was angry at if we lost the game was myself. And I'll tell you this, when we lost games, when we'd go out on that field the next week, the practices were worse than the games. We were so mad at ourselves for losing the game. Right. That the practice that week was hell. We we got it we got it on. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think that that's you talked about having pride and, and confidence, and I think I think those who have that, uh, that's how they respond to to you know having a, having a bad game and having a bad loss or or not getting their job done. It's, it, they have enough pride to come back and want and want to work things out and get it right and not ha- not have it happen again the following week. Well, let me just say this right, in the last thought. I never played a perfect game in 23 years of football. I never played a game that I was a hundred percent satisfied with my performance. I came close a couple times, but I never walked off that field. And the next morning after thinking about the game, I didn't have some aspect of the game that I could not have done better. And I never knew on my team, who played a good game or who played a bad game. The only person I was concerned about playing a good game 
was me. Yeah. The only person who was concerned about playing a bad game was me. And so when I went into the game, I knew they were going to deliver. I just didn't want to let my teammates down, and that was it. Wow. I wish I wish uh, that, that a lot of young uh, young players uh, would able to hear hear this and, and understand this. Well, I tell my kids that my boys are going to be football players. I tell them the only guys you watch on that football field and the only guy you watch films about and and you look at closely is yourself. Nobody else. Don't grade anybody. Don't get an opinion on them. When you go out on the field, you know they're going to be ready and they're going to be prepared. So you better be prepared. And every, all the time you spend thinking about this guy dropped the ball or, or this guy jumped off sides, you're taking away from your time. Right. You, you, you know, don't worry about the other guy. Just worry about yourself and everything will take care of itself. And that's the way the best football teams I ever played on, that's exactly how every player approached it. Nice. Ron, it's a pleasure and an honor to have a chance to chat with you, man. And, and I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and, and giving us uh, your time. I know you're busy and you got, you know, soccer practice, baseball practice, football practice, but you, you took some time out for us here at Swoops World. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Keith. Uh, uh, Bob was on last week. Uh, he's an un- unbelievable guy. He's one of the most interesting people. You know, Bob. Bob is the kind of guy that has lived a life where for every second that you have on life, He's got two seconds worth of life in that one second. So my, true. My my wife tells me you have the best friends, Ron, and and then that's the reason. All my good friends, they're the most. They live life to the fullest. They they get they get two seconds out of every second they're on this earth, and they're also the most interesting people to speak with. These guys, Bob is the most interesting guy to listen to, and all my friends are. That's, I've got great. Stuff. That's awesome because I, I I could sit and chat with Bob all day long and and, and, you, and you're no different. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. But I really like Bob. I, he's a he's fascinating. And I all my friends are like that. I'll do anything for my friends. They come to me out, and it's it's mutual. Nice. Well, thank you yeah, so I'm much, brother. Now. Okay, bye, Keith. Thanks a lot. You have a great one. You're welcome. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Ron Yeri, everybody, uh, you, you know it's 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 an amazing uh, amazing story with him and and, and you know we just, just this short period of time has got a lot of uh, a lot of good stories but uh, uh, I, hopefully we can get him back on one day and, and pick up where we left off. Uh, like I said, he, you know he was the uh, he won the Outland Trophy, uh, the New Rockney Award. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame, the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame, as well as the NFL Hall of Fame. Just an outstanding individual, an outstanding athlete, and uh, I'm glad to hear he's doing well. And we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have Anthony Davis join us on the line. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, let's listen to something from Divinity Rocks. This is called Get Here. Back after this. It's the end of a decade, the start of an era. My mama named me Debbie, my teachers called me Deborah. God told me, girl, you existed from infinity. You ain't from this earth, they should call you divinity. And you, you can call me Miss Rocks. And you, you can eat a buckshot. I got more love than you haters got hate. And I love it that you hate it because I'm great. I am not a type for you, you do a typo. Everybody, everybody around here psycho and fight, can't cover it. I'm going to smother it, hover it, over it. Like a helicopter, I'm to play, na 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 Call me Dundada, I am your nana. Holla, following that, daring for 
around till we meet again. Faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, this is Normandy Wilson, and you're listening to Snoop's World. And welcome back to Snoop's World on the Talk Story Radio Network, and uh, that was great to have a chance to chat with uh, 
Ranieri, and uh, let's see, let's give our buddy AD a call here. Let's get his intro going. Welcome back to the show, our good friend and colleague, Anthony Davis, five-time national champion out of USC, and then played in the NFL, the CFL, no, what is it, WFL, WNBA, I don't know, he played in all kinds of stuff, man, it's always great to have him on the show. How you doing, AD? Doing great. We just uh, we just uh, had an opportunity to uh, interview a fellow, one of your fellow Trojans, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Ron Yeri, and that was, uh, it was an interesting chance to talk to him. Do you know Ron? Yeah, I know Ron. Uh, I, I wish I could have ran behind him. I, I'd have, I'd have still be playing. <laughs> he he was like a big wall for the Vikings and at USC. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's a great great player, great Hall of Famer. Yes, indeed. And uh, it, was, it was nice to have a chance to chat with him, and uh, and talk about uh, talk about those years that he played and 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 what the what the game is was like then and what it what it's like now. Right. <clears throat> and uh, you know, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, you know, he and I had a chance to kind of talk about uh, would, would you and I talk about quite a bit concussions and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, this past couple of weeks, we've had some some pro- high profile players that have gone through the concussion protocol, haven't we? Well, you had Carson Palmer, and you had uh, you had Cam Newton. And the thing about Cam Newton, they caught him on what's, I don't know what it was kind of those machines that police ride on with no helmet on, uh, in the middle of, uh, downtown North Carolina. So, uh, there was an issue about that. I know he talked about it on television. I think that was a, a mistake on his part doing that when you're going through the, the concussion protocol. But yeah, Carson Parman and him, uh, were high profile. And then, of course, every week there's somebody has a, has a, has concussion, but those two guys, some of the two premier quarterbacks in the league, had the concussions. Yeah. So uh, that was very interesting. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I always talk about the supplement program, which I was part of the brain study of uh, 150 NFL players. That's why we're trying to advocate for the uh, concussion situation for these players to be under the program like I'm under while they're playing. You know, the supplement program and hyperbaric chamber treatment. You know, they treat everything else, but they really don't treat that. I, I know they're serious about it, but I think there's, there's people out there that they're not reaching out to. I could be wrong, but I, they're not reaching out to my people, Dr. Daniel Amen in the clinic and what he did uh, in terms of, uh, of what these players go through. So, And there's a lot of former players that are suffering out there right now. So, uh, And if I, and if I was to talk to Cam Newton and Carson Palmer, uh, I would I would take that serious, and I would start reaching out to people who've been through that this type of protocol that have retired, and currently some of the ball players who've been injured. But the the bottom line is that this is a serious issue, and they need to think about that. I mean, I saw Cam Newton take uh, two shots back to back, back to back weekends, and and they were unbelievable shots. And Carson Palmer, the way he bounced off that ground like a basketball uh, against the Rams, was unbelievable. So. You know, and that, and that's serious because once you start having them, 
they come back even quicker. I mean, you don't even have to get hit in the head to have a concussion. You know, you can get hit hard enough, you know, just for regular tackle to have a concussion. One of the things, uh, you know, you, you, we've mentioned before is, is, like you said, the supplement program and, and, and the hyperbaric chamber and, and the fact that the, uh, the NFL doesn't, you know, you know, they made some rule changes and stuff like that, but it doesn't seem like they've, they've got in place any long-term care or off-season care uh, or any type of protocol to, to help these guys out. Uh, prior to getting concussions and then afterwards, other than, uh, you know, t- sitting them down for a, a game or two? Well, the thing, well, well, the thing is, you know, like I've always advocated, is I think the public would, would look at it a little different if they would just be proactive and try to do whatever they can. I'm not, I, you know, from the face, it seems like, but there's more they can do based on what I've experienced. I mean, if they have off-season stuff, doing this, and what, 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 what we advocate is, during the season, be on a supplement program and do the hyperbaric chamber, regardless if, if if you don't have a concussion or not. You know, the league can afford to have a hyperbaric chamber or two in every facility in the National Football League and let these guys get in that chamber and let them be on this program, and it and can, can be proactive, preventative uh, stuff of the concussion because you know anybody who plays football like i've said before when you put that helmet on there's trauma so if you're going to have the trauma well be be proactive and start doing it and be on a program but when you come out of the game or when you retire you'll be on a program right that's all i'm saying and, and if they would just tell the public look we're we're serious about the concussion we know it's a serious issue we know some guys have left the game because of it and you know, and you know, you got to play guys playing five, ten years. I mean, come on, all the shots in five and ten years of playing. So the thing is, we're just advocating that if you're going to play the game, you need to be proactive and do this with this kind of program. Yeah. And I haven't seen any type of uh, comprehensive program for these uh, for these ball players. I haven't seen it. I know there's a guy, but it's Bill Romanowski and. and uh, and, and, and Dorsey Levin, who's former Packer, former Raider, Denver Bronco, who are talking about only, but I'm the only guy out there that has a book out about it and been on this program for almost 10 years. And I'm just trying to spread the word to, to my former colleagues and colleagues in the game that, you know, this is a serious issue. You need to take note of this. And I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating abolishing the game. That's just the nature of the game. But you got to, you know, you got have, to have some kind of program to, uh, to, to set for these ball players, exactly, and then and then also to all sports across all contexts. Where hockey is serious, you know, soccer is serious, MMA fighting is serious, and then the most important thing also too, on top of we talk about the National Football League, is the soldiers coming back. You know, the soldiers coming back, you know, that need this help as well. Yeah. And like any time I talk about the soldiers coming back, and when they when they step back on American soil, they should have a red carpet for these guys coming back because they're suffering from mother's brain trauma as well. I was talking to one ex-Marine. He says the guys get concussions just by listening to those blasts from those big guns. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so, so, so it, you know, it, it, it extends football, but the main thing, since we're talking about these cushions that happened last week with Cam Cam Newton and, and Carson Farmers, what triggered me? Uh, yeah, we can start there. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Let's... And these guys need to be educated. And I, and I think some of the guys are aware of it because there's been so much said about it. Right. But the fact of the matter is, 
I don't really see too much happening the way it can happen. Right. It's it's like they're doing the bare minimum. Right. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, you know, I mean, they, I mean, they they are taking the guys out. If they sent you, you're too woozy. Not like when I was going to just shake it off and get back in it. Then you're not going back in. Right. If you don't pass certain tests and your eyes are looking glazed, you're not going back in there. And if you're not answering those questions precisely, they're not letting you go in. So that's a good thing. But it, it can go farther as well. It's, I mean, and then during the off season, these guys should be on the program as well. Right. I mean, they really need to be on the program in the off season, just like you just like you mentioned earlier. It's 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 they they really don't have a, what, what I think what you're advocating is is something for brain health and uh, you know what they're what what they're doing is they're reacting to the injury and they're they're not doing any brain health uh, prior to and and post. Uh, you know, you're around helping guys uh, take things or do things that that, that uh, help help the brain and will help heal the brain in case of any any damage. And like you said, there is going there's without a doubt there's going to be damage just for the nature of the sport. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, off season be a thing where they really really need to emphasize it, and uh, and they can even ongoing during the season in the off season. Well, I don't see that, and that's what I like to see. And that's what I've been advocating for a long time. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not one of these guys. Someone will, you know, abolish the game. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, not in my particular case because I was drafted. I was a top draft pick in, in professional baseball, and that was my mistake. Now I'm doing it over. I'm playing baseball. Uh, but 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 the bottom line is, since you're in this game and these these contacts, or every every organization should should implement what we what what I've just suggested. And, and also the NC2A should also too do that too because the same thing happens in NC2A football. Right. Every week somebody gets a concussion. Every week, no one escapes it. It's 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 not a concussion-free uh, situation going on now. Every someone gets a concussion every week, every Saturday and every Sunday. Yeah, it's it, it's it, that like you said, it's the nature of the game. So they need to do the things to 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 kind of keep guys. Uh, healthy as best they can. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, some of the teams and, and some of the some of the some of the standouts uh, in this this season so far. You got the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, a lot of people figured when Romo went down, uh, they were going to struggle the rest of the year. Uh, this kid, Dak, what's his name? Dak Prescott or whatever. Uh, turns right, out he's, right. He, he's a gamer. Right. Well. Well, first of all, systematically, you know, they got a running game and they have him. And no one expected him to play like that. And a lot of people expect, well, what's, what's he doing being a fourth, fifth-round draft choice? I mean, based on what he's playing, he should be a first-round draft pick. Now, he's, he's been playing just as well as, as uh, the first – first of all, the number one pick overall is not even playing with the Rams. And the, and, and the, and the second pick, pick overall is, is surprising everyone. And he's right there with, uh, with Philadelphia. Philadelphia's four and one in division, and uh, and, the, and and the Dallas Cowboys is four and one. Yeah. So so uh, with that running game with Prescott throwing, I mean that's what they have now. When Romo comes back, I don't know how they put him on the bench now. Yeah. I think that'll be disruptive. I think that'll change the rhythm. I think I think if they do that with Romo, I think it'll split the locker room. Uh, I know I've heard rumors that the fact that you know uh, Des Bryant is really promoting this kid and likes what he sees, even though he's injured. But the bottom line is, look what he's done. 
Now, if, if that's a fluke or timing or luck or whatever, well, Dallas will take it because they've never had a start like this with a rookie. And, and, and if this is a sign of the future of the Cowboys, if I'm Jerry Jones, I don't disrupt it. I know he's told people publicly that when Romo comes back, that he's a starter. Well, I wouldn't disrupt it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> I mean, because, I, mean, I mean, based on what I've seen, if this guy is doing this and he gets the season through the season and he keeps going bearing injury, uh, it looks like the future is right there. Now, if, if if he continues to perform and does what he did, other teams will be looking at him. And I don't think the Cowboys won't let that happen either. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but you know, I know, I know, I know how it looks at with contractually how they deal with Romo and the kind of money he's made. That's one of the issues. But <clears throat> the bottom line is, if I'm Jerry Jones, if they can continue to win like this, you might have to cut your losses. I mean, and and, and look for the future. Yeah. Let me let me throw some team names at you with their records, uh, and and I want to get your thoughts. And, and I'm going to give you about uh, five five or six in a row, and then and we can talk about them. Uh, you got the Patriots at four and one. You got the Steelers at four and one. You have the Raiders at four and one, as well as hang on a second, my computer slowed down. Uh, the Cowboys are four and one. The Vikings are five and zero. Oh. Right, and you get the Falcons at four and one, and Seattle's coming off a bye week, and they're three and one. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I gotta, ma- I gotta imagine a few of those are, are surprises. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, Raiders, well, the Raiders. Well, go ahead. First of all, the Raiders are a surprise. Uh, Philadelphia is definitely a surprise. Uh, Seattle is about what I thought. And Minnesota is definitely a surprise. Five and zero without Peterson, and 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 I mean Peterson and the starting quarterback goes down, and they're five and zero. Who would ever said that would happen? Yeah. With Bradford, I mean, come on. And then they they trade him from getting from Philadelphia, and he's a five and zero team. But I think it's just a horse race now. Okay, in the finish, where they're going to finish? I mean, right now you put you 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 put your stock you you would put your stock frank frankly on with Seattle. I mean, that's what you do because they've consistently been there. But it's going to be an interesting year because it's a racehorse right now, especially in the NFC. It's all a surprise all in the NFC. All those teams you named the NFC other than, than the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders is a big surprise. No one expected the Raiders to be where they are. No. But, but Carr's doing a great job up there, and Del Rio's doing a good job. But we'll see because, you know, you, don't, you, you can't determine what's going to happen. Like I said, it's a horse. They just came out of the block. The uh, no surprise with the Pats, even though uh, Brady was gone the first four games. Didn't st- it, it, it didn't stop him, did it? <laughs> no, you it know didn't. that's called that's that's called that's called the Belichick system. He knew he. he I mean, they could have lost all four, but the bottom line is, I mean, I didn't think Belichick would would, would lose on I, mean, I thought I expected exactly what happened. I mean, he the guy finds a way. He dissects these ball players and he figures out what he has to do within his system. That's why he's so. That's why he's so good. I'd love to play for the guy like that. And it's like Brady didn't miss a. Uh, it's like Brady took a vacation. He said, "You know, some look here, Patriots. Look, I'm, I, I need four days. I need four weeks off. You know, I'm. You know, me and my lady are going to Europe before. When I come back, I'll be ready to go. And, I, and that's what it seemed like it happened. 
<laughs> Tell me, what did he, what did he throw, throw for 400 yards and, and all the touchdowns and stuff like that? Yeah. No interception? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's a machine. So, I mean, you can say whatever you want about the Patriots. You can talk about Flake Gate and all this kind of stuff with the balls and all whatever you need to do. But, you know, the Patriots been consistent over, you know, over the years. I mean, I take my hats off to them. You can say whatever you want. They're always there. Hey, they, they come to play, and uh, you. you talk and we're talking about the AFC, you see, because we're we, you know, we talked about the surprise with the Raiders, but the AFC, the Patriots are always there. Yeah, I think it's a surprise that the Chargers are one and four. I don't know why people are surprised. <laughs> I mean, why would they? Why would they be surprised? I mean, look, they they they, they, they they've been up and down like that for years. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just you know. Same old charges, what a lot of people have said, but the thing is, you know, it, the, the consistency is not there. Like I've always told you, and I've always said to advocate this all these people, look, you need to go take a sheet from the Patriots, everybody. And you got to figure it out. That's why the Patriots are so, so, are so good and so consistent. That's why, they got, that's why they have six Super Bowl appearances and four championships within 13 years of the Belichick regime. So you know, uh, the, four, the, the 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 way the Chargers are starting out of the gates, a lot of people people I've talked to expected that. They didn't expect any more. I mean, if it had been four and one like the Raiders, they said, "Wow, that's great." Okay, how long is, how how long are they going to sustain that? So if you don't have the consistency of the pedigree of being having a championship run year in year out, you don't know. You know, people don't expect you to be right there. Right. Well, you know, that's a good point. But you take take teams that, that consistently do. I was talking to a friend uh, a week or so ago, and he is a huge Green Bay Packer fan, and he was talking about them so bad I had to go look up look up their uh, standing just now because uh, he, he made them sound like they were 0-5, and, and, and they're 3-1. and 1. Uh you know, he's saying how much they suck, and he's been a lifelong Packer fan, and then they're disappointing him and whatnot. They're three and one. Um, it, 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 I know people have high expectations, as, as he have said, they weren't blowing teams away, or I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get in that detail with them. But you know, sometimes fans say things, uh, and you, you give you an impression of something, and, and the, the the statistics don't uh, don't support it. See, first of all. You know, you talk to people, especially because, like, you know, I was, if I was talking and said, look, first of all, they're a consistent team in the NFC, okay? They haven't been consistent as the Patriots, but they've, they've been a very consistent team. You know, at the end, they run out of gas. But here's the bottom line. They're in the race horse. They're in the race horse for the NFC. Now, they're in a division with Minnesota, who's 5-0. and And so that's their nemesis now, is the Vikings. Right. And, it, and, look at, and if you look at the NFC overall, they're right there. I mean, just because Dallas is where they are and, and, and these other teams, that doesn't mean anything. You know, Aaron Rodgers uh, is always there, too. You know, so I'm just saying, you, you tell them just you need to relax and you got to wait to the end because the way thing is now and what you see, it's going to be a horse race to the end. That's right. it. Who's going to be there at the end? That's the key. Well, I'm going to tell you now in the AFC, it's going to be the Patriots. Okay, I don't know who else will come up in. In the NFC, it's always going to be Seattle, and it's going to be the Green Bay Packers. Those two teams, and I, I put my money on those two teams in the NFC. In the AFC, I put up, I put, I put up the team. The, here's the two teams. 
NFC, Seattle, Green Bay. AFC, the Patriots, and the Steelers. Those are the four teams in, in, in the two conferences that I know will be there. That's why I put my money on as far as consistency. And you got to see that I mentioned the teams that's been in the Super Bowl. Right. All four of those teams have been in the Super Bowl and been right there knocking the door every year. And you're talking. That's the key. And you're talking about consistency. I, see, I, I I tell people I don't get excited this early in the season. I tell you why. Uh, I I used to be a Raiders season ticket holder, uh, and uh, one year they went eight and zero, and finished the season eight and eight. So I I, sure. don't, I don't get excited this time of year yet. <laughs> well, for for example, let me show you what how he's coaching an organization. You take the Forty ers you know, a couple of years back, they were a step away. They were one play away from winning the Super Bowl. Then the next, the next year, they were they were they, they were they were a game away from the Super Bowl with Kaepernick. Okay, wait a minute now. That's the same player that was with Harbor, Jim Harbor, with the Forty ers And now, look, they're struggling now. Come on now, that's obvious. What I've always said: coaching and system and front office. And see, Kaepernick's problem is front office. Jim Harbor is at Michigan now. If Jim Harbor was there at San Francisco, it'd be a whole different game. You don't think That's be, how good a coach he is. You don't think they'd be one and four now, huh? <laughs> no, no, there's no doubt. I put my money on Jim Harbor. You can say whatever you want about this guy, but Jim Harbor's a great coach. I'm telling you, he's proven it. He did it. He, he, he did it at UC San Diego, Stanford. He did it at the 49ers, and now he's back doing it with the with the with the with the with the Michigan Wolverines. So it tells you that something's going on internally with the 49ers. It's not him. And Kaepernick should have been starting straight out the whole beginning of the year. Now they claim it was injuries and whatever, but one leg is better than what the guy they have up there right now. But that's what everybody's saying. So, so Kaepernick now has got to come in there, you know, and I believe, frankly, they put him on the bench for, for, his, for, his, for his individual protest, which he's already started following. I mean, the man is a cult leader now. <laughs> I mean, everybody's following him. So, but he should have been the starting quarterback, in my opinion. Well, they say he's going to be starting uh, this week, huh? Well, yeah, he's starting, but I'm just saying you just organizational-wise, you know, that, that's been my point all the time. Organizationally, you win, you win Super Bowls and championships in the front office. Right. Starts in, it starts and ends there. And, and it's been proven with the Jim Harbour situation with the 49ers and what he's done, how he's accomplished everywhere he's gone. He, 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 was, he, was, a, he was a champion, pro, 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 protege type of guy. At, at the 49ers. He's doing he's done it everywhere he's gone. So and it wasn't Jim, it's the organization overall. Because Kaepernick should have been the starting court. That's why I always talk about when you get the wrong situation, the wrong chemistry, this is what happened. That happened to me in my days. And it happens to a lot of great ball players get caught up in, 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 in a Peyton Place type of organization. And that's what I call them. You see, so so you know that's it. That's how I look at it. And if anybody disagrees with me, they can call and tell you that. <laughs> Before we move over to collegiate uh, football, you had said on the on the uh, baseball front that uh, the Giants were the team to beat. Well, they've been right. no- they've been knocked out. So, what are you looking at now for the uh, for the, to head into the World Series? Who do you who do you like? Well, well, since they were the team to beat. Now, the thing is now it's, it's, it's a it's a new it's a new day now, because the Cubs are back, and uh, then you have with the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a chance to be that that winner in this thing. But you know, 
they got to go back to Washington now, and they got to go win that game. Right. Yeah. So, so since the Giants have been knocked up, and no one expected the Giants to be even in the playoffs, you know. So, so, but I always said in, until you knock them off, they're still a team to knock off, in which they've been knocked off. Yeah. So now the Dodgers have a chance. I'd prefer to see the Dodgers not come out, but they didn't do that. So, but when they get there and they didn't, they got to beat the Washington. They got to beat that team. If they don't want to beat them, and people say, "Well, strong run next year." <laughs> and they've been there four years, and they've been there four years in a row. We, we, yeah, we've heard that. We've heard that with uh, four years in a row too. <laughs> right next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Let's let's move over to the to the NCAA. Let's start with the top twenty-five, man. Uh, <clears throat> top five teams you've you've talked about all along. We got Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson's number three, Michigan number four, and, and Washington. Washington's been rolling along. They're number five. Uh, and, and I know you and I have kind of talked texting back and forth about Washington. They they look good, don't they? Oh yeah, I mean uh, that's credit to that coach and how he's. Taking, I mean, those pretty much a, half those players were as part of uh, Sark's recruitment. So you got to remember, uh, he's doing a great job. But the Pac-12 is still up for grabs. Anything can happen. But the, the team that beat the Pac-12 is definitely Washington. Now they're nasty ranked, and so uh, they built a great program up there so far. I mean, if you'd have told me it's been a year they would beat Stanford like that, it'd been unbelievable. I knew they would be tough and give them a run, but to beat to do what they did. Unbelievable. The Pac-12, the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 South, is definitely up for grabs. The Pac-12 North is Washington. They they control their destiny. But the Pac-12 South, who knows? <laughs> who knows? And then you, and then if you go and then you go with Alabama and Clemson, they control it too. But the Big Ten, but the Big Ten with with Michigan and uh, Ohio State, that's going to be interesting. Urban Myers and Jim and Jim Harbaugh. That's going to be uh, that's going to be one battle. Are you surprised that Texas A and M is undefeated at six and zero? No. I mean, you know, I mean, they have a good coach there. They got a good program there. Uh, I'd expect six and zero, but I mean, six and zero really was, was not a, really a surprise. Yeah. I mean, they're in the S. They're in that SEC division. And who knows if they continue? It looks like it looks like looks like it's going to be a showdown between them and uh, uh, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Where it looks now, and see, and everything is a horse race. Everything is a horse race based on the current system. And you know, I'm all for a full-fledged playoff system. You know, it's a horse race. You know, and then I'm not. It's going to be difficult too. Okay, how do you pick these teams again? It's the same stuff every year. Yeah, we've been it's talking, a horse race. We've been talking about this a number of years ourselves, man. Every year. Right. See, it's, see, there's a lot of teams doing stuff now that the winnings weren't, weren't projected to do that. No one projected Washington to do what they did. They expect them to be a strong program, not what they're doing now. Yeah. Not blowing out Stanford like that. Yeah. And blowing out Oregon. I mean, come on. That's 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 unbelievable. I mean, they beat Oregon like they were Pop Warner team. You know, Come on, you, yeah. You, put on the put on the put on the barbecue and the, and the bobsy socks, those guys, because they you know you know they got beat like they stole some candy. 
They 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 whooped up on them, and uh, and Oregon broke out their uh, their their web feet uh, uniforms from uh, 1912 or something like that, and uh, they just they looked they just looked bad. They just looked like they, they could not do anything. Man, they they, they got beat like some criminals that stole one of the inmates' pizza pie. I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I was. <laughs> I was shocked to see that that drumming. Ah, uh, yeah, you know? it was it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, we we we've seen some 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 interesting games this season uh, with uh, in the Pac-12. Uh, SC looks like they might be turning a corner here a little bit. Uh, Arizona, uh, UCLA lost lost a couple of close ones. Uh, and uh, you know we saw Stanford, uh, we saw Stanford, like you say, get just demolished by Washington. Uh, but uh, you know, you're looking at the Pac-12, and especially the Pac-12 South. Uh, do you see? Do you see any any movement, any any big changes uh, than than what it looks like today? Do you think there's going to be somebody who's who hasn't been doing well? It's going to going to go on a run. Well, the Pac-12 South, you referring to? Yes. Well, the Pac-12 South, I don't. You can, you don't, you can't put, you can't put the thumb on it. I mean, it's up to them. First of all, you saw a quarterback. He's injured. Rosen's injured. You don't know if he's coming back. Look, oh, oh, look. Arizona has, is undefeated, I think, and he, he's. They're not. They haven't, won, they haven't won a game in the Pac-12 South. Utah, Colorado. I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, everybody projected that is projecting the SEC's turning around, but you, you really don't know yet. I mean, I like I like what I see in in the quarterback play, and I like to see in the running game. But I just want to see the consistency keep going, and uh, and I just want everybody, especially the USC. They these people have to give these people who are talking about Clay Hilton. They got to give this man a chance. You got to just lay back, let him do what he needs to do because he was thrown in the fire. You got to give him time to get everything together. It takes time. Rome wasn't built overnight, and when you go through Three coaches in five years, it ain't gonna happen. Right. I'm looking at the. You know, I'm looking at the uh, the South. You got Colorado. God, the South looks pretty pathetic. In conference, Colorado is two and one. Arizona's two and one. Utah's two and one. SC's two and two. UCLA's one and two, and Arizona's zero oh and three. Um, and. Uh, I see Colorado lost to SC this week, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, but the, the Pac-12 South is up for grabs. Like I said, it's up to grabs. Going to be that way. It's going to be. A, it's it's, it's going to be. It's like I said, it's a horse race. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, Washington dictates and controls their destiny based on their play. You know, so they they stand. They got a stamp of approval what they did to Stanford and Oregon, the two favorites in the in the in the, in the Pac-12 North. And no one expected him to be the front runners in the Pac-12 North, or and also be one of the top ranked teams in the country. Right. So, so the conference is really set. Overall, it's Washington and everybody else, and then you break them down as they do division, North and South. And the North South, the South division is up for grabs, in my opinion. Yeah. You don't know who's going to come out of the South. You don't even know who's going to win that division. <laughs> well. I'm pretty sure it won't be Oregon. <laughs> well, you ain't kidding me. I mean, those guys should be as shit. Yeah, they got beat like they stole something. 
Yeah, unbelievable. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, see, SC this week has uh, Arizona. They got Arizona. Uh, let's see. Arizona is sitting at, uh, where are they? I want to see. Oh. Oh, they're on three. They're in Tucson. Yeah, they're on. They're on three. So SC SC should pl- probably pick up another win here. Well, you, you you would think so, but that's going to be a funny game. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it, it, like anything can happen in the Pac Pac twelve South. Anything can happen. It's anybody's game. Yeah. It's anybody's game. I mean, you it's projected that SC would win it, but you just never know. Well, That's you, just the way the pack you, you the said, pack the pack twelve south is happening. You said happening. many a time on any given Saturday anybody can win, you know. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's why you need a full fledged playoff system. Do you think it ever come to that? I mean, we talk. We've been talking about it for years. Uh, you think you think they're well. Eventually, gonna... we'll we figure it out when they have when 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 they have when they have a top when they have the top ten people. If, if you have if you have ten. You might have a situation where you might have ten teams in the top ten undefeated. How do you deal with that one? That could happen. Yeah. What if you had ten teams were undefeated going in until the end of the year? That could happen. So how do you deal with that then? That's a good point, and and it's interesting to see where, like, if you like, if you look at the top twenty-five, you know. And I understand they go strength of schedule and all that kind of stuff, but you guys, you have guys that teams that are undefeated, you know, down and down in number twenty, twenty-four. I mean, you know, you have Western Michigan, who's ranked twenty-three on one and twenty-four on the other. They're six and zero, but they're you know they're yeah. they're down they're way down towards the bottom. You got teams, right. you got teams up. Florida State is rated sixteen on one and fourteen on the other. They're four and two. So yeah, like you said, without a full-fledged playoffs. You get towards the end of the season, you still got undefeated teams that are sitting down in the twenties, and teams with losses up in the you know the up you know above ten or below just 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 below uh, below ten above fifteen. It doesn't seem uh, fair. Look, man, you can have you can have five teams in the bottom top fifteen, the bottom top ten, excuse me, undefeated, and you can have ten teams in the top ten undefeated. That could happen. That could happen. And how do you deal with that? And they're given conferences. That's why you gotta you gotta seed off every conference. Right. And you play the winners of each conference, the first place teams. That's how you gotta that's how you need to set it up. Because eventually within the year everybody will start complaining. Because if you have a scenario like that that happens, you're gonna have people complaining if you have something if you ever have a, a mathematical situation, that'd be a mathematical mess. How do you choose the teams to play in the in, in the playoffs? How do you do it? How do you do it? I mean, are you going to have a community of people who say, "Well, I think so and so because they have better quality players and and they they won by more points." So that's what they have to do. If you had if you had ten teams in the top ten and they were all undefeated, how do you pick them? <laughs> how do you pick them? You, you got to go where they have better personnel, they have more points. Well, the conference is stronger than this conference. That's what they, that's what they end up having to happen. To have, that's that's what they they would be have they would have to do that right. to straighten it up. In, in my opinion, everybody said you know AD smoking stuff that'll never happen. Well, I've seen plenty of things happen. I saw Boise State beat Oklahoma, top ranked team in a bowl game, and everybody was saying you know wow look at this Boise State. 
the guy was coaching was coaching Washington, who's undefeated, was 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 the guy that beat Oklahoma. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, you can say whatever you want. That scenario can happen. Right. I mean, if you had, if if you had six straight teams just undefeated, and then you had six teams in the bottom top ten, same thing. Six in the bottom ten, the top top twenty, and and ten in the top in the top twenty. That can happen. Well, if you had five undefeated and had five in the bottom ten, right? The top twenty-five. That can happen. Yeah. I hope they figure it out. And you know, and I don't understand. Uh, I mean, it's always been this way. I know it's been this way for years and years and years. But why do we have the two? Why do we have the AP poll and the coaches poll? I mean, is, uh, do, who, who knows more, the coaches or the writers? Well, that's a that's a joke too. <laughs> don't just 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 eliminate that too. Yeah, you know, if you have a playoff full fledged playoff, you you eliminate all that stuff. Eliminate it all. You can have your top twenty five. You get in the top twenty five, okay, at the beginning of the year. If you're ranked the top twenty five at the beginning of the year, and then you play and you're given your respective conference, you go from there. And then whoever wins the conference first place of the conference, they then you seed seed them up. Then you can incorporate them into all the bowl games down the way. You can do it. As a matter of fact, from a financial standpoint, you know, uh, you can do it, you know. I think this is the only sport that they don't. I mean, we got you got March Madness. It's ridiculous. You got the you got the college. Well, well you, you World well, Series. you got well, you have you have the smaller divisions that don't have a playoff system. You know, you know, like the North Dakota States and people that win the one them chance, they have a playoff system, but the other ones don't have a playoff system set the way they have it set up. Uh, they have it set up like that. These, the, the, but the Division One is set up where, you know, it's a committee and stuff, voted by a committee and whatever. And if and if you stay undefeated, then you're gonna probably stay in the top three or four or five. And if you got knocked off, then you, you're out of it. Right. You know, you you got to maintain, you know, one and zero lo- losses. It's it would be so much simpler just to go with the playoffs. I mean, just so much simpler, and and it would be cleaner. It would be a lot cleaner, because you you either won or you lost, and you moved on. You know, you won, you, you won, you move on. You lost, you're done for the year. Right. Yeah. Right. Still. Yeah. And that's it. A lot of teams finish strong in the year. Some start off strong. That's that that's that's a, the key of competition. Some some teams start fast, some start slow, and end of the year, some of them are strong. Just like the pros, you know. I mean. That's that that that's why you need a playoff system. Not some people getting the round table and start voting on who you think is be in the game. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think some favors get paid off that way too. <laughs> and let me tell you something, and you know, and you can tell you, a lot of people agree with that, but they won't say anything about it. A lot of people I could like I said, I could put coaches in a room and say, Would you like to have a full press playoff? And everybody will agree with me. Right. Every one of them. But they they will not say it in public. No. Yeah. 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 Might as well look at Facebook. They say all kinds of stuff on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, they say what they Facebook unbelievable man. The way they talk about people on Facebook. Are you kidding me? You, you might as well you might as well express your thing. I mean, Go come ahead on, and say it, right? <laughs> man, they talk about your mama, everything on Facebook. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, unfortunately it's true, but uh, <laughs> we, we hope, well, hopefully, hopefully they, they will, they will speak up and say, and try to encourage the, uh, the NCAA to at least uh, create a playoff system for, for the football season. Because like I said, you got it in, you got it in uh, basketball, they got the March Madness, they got the college baseball world series. I know all the other all the other sports uh, they do, and I, and uh, they should might as well just go ahead and do it with football, and because football's that's their biggest money maker anyway. Might, might as well clean it up. Right, absolutely right. Ad man, uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. Tell everybody about your book and where they can find your book, and uh, and a little bit about that, and then where they can see you uh, every every week. Well, first of all, the book is called Kickoff Concussion. It was done by myself. And Jeremy Rosenberg, you can get the book on Lulu.com, Amazon, and BookSuit. And uh, it's a great read. And, of course, it's a, it, it talks about the concussion situation and, and how I've been recovering my – how I've recovered and I've been on the supplement program and treating my brain for almost 10 years now. So it's a good read. I want, I want people to read to open your eyes. To, it's a serious situation, but uh, I'm glad I did it. And I will continue to pro- promote this, and because it's a serious issue, you need to look into that even more. One one of the things I talked to uh, the guest prior to you, Ron Yeri, he he mentioned that uh, just so many guys that he played with, uh, you know, having issues, you know, short term memory loss, and and you know, guys uh, having difficulty moving and whatnot. So it's it's it's, it's something. That is uh, really good that you you keep out on the forefront and you keep forefront and first in people's minds. Well, first of all, it's one thing with the joints and the ankles and knees and the back and the neck, you know. But the main thing is when you when the head of the snake is damaged and you're not treating it, that's the most important. I mean, if you can have some some quality of life if your brain is working properly and you're thinking properly, but when you're not doing that. The body's pretty much gone, yeah. and, and 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 when you play the game of football, unfortunately, these other contact sports, soldiers, your body will deteriorate faster when you have brain injury, when it's un- gone untreated. Wow, wow, well, hopefully you keeping the word out there in the forefront, and then and us chatting about it a little bit each week, and then um, you know things will move forward. You know, there's a lot of people out there. Uh, starting to, starting to hear about this, you know the movie and everything else. So hopefully they'll, they'll step up and and things will start to be done for for the people who are, are going through this. And and like you said, they 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 put their they put their body on the line uh, in so many different sports and in, in the military and whatnot. They need to they need to be treated and be uh, you know be healthy. Right. That is. I mean, I'm a big advocate of that. And you know, that's a serious issue in our society. Brain injuries, no joke. Uh, Tavern, you're there every week, every Saturday. I'm at the Tavern Bowl every weekend hosting all the USC home and away games. Come down, get your jersey. Come down, get your autograph, uh, Sports Illustrated cover. Uh, you can't put any darts and put any plastic on me. You got to put some wood on me. You're not getting a picture. But if you come on down and hang out, and have some food and have some nice drink, great atmosphere. The people are nice. That's a great thing. Absolutely. 
As always, AD, man, it's a pleasure. And uh, we'll be chatting with you again in two weeks. I'm out of town next week, and uh, but we'll be back in two weeks, and uh, we'll do it again, man. Okay, thank you. You take care of yourself. Right, you too. The great Anthony Davis, everybody. Uh, it's always fun to have a chance to chat with AD and, uh, and hear, get his thoughts on a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, and he's, he's got so much knowledge, especially when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, just about any subject we can talk about. But he, he's, got a, he's got really good thoughts on a lot of things, and, and he's real big, a big, big advocate on brain health, and we like to see some changes there. You listen to Swoop Short on Talk Story Radio Network, and uh, we're going to let you hear uh, the Black Marquee back after this.
My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Hi, Hi we're the we're enablers, enablers, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Swoop Squirrel. I want to thank everybody for listening today. We want to thank Ron Yeri, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, and Anthony Davis, USC legend, for both joining us this week. And it's always a good time to chat with them. Uh, we'll be back live in two weeks. And uh, coming up on November 2nd, uh, author Andrew Peterson will be back with us with a new, uh, he's got a new new book out, you know, The Adventures of Nathan McBride. And uh those of you who listen regularly know that I'm a big, big fan of the Nathan McBride series. And looking forward to the new book. Looking forward to talking to him about that. That'll be November 2nd. But we'll be back live on uh, October 26th, I believe. Whatever, uh, uh, two weeks from today. want to thank everybody for tuning in. And as always, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.